Welcome to the Pacific Point Church Podcast, where we're learning to love and live like Jesus. During this half hour, we're praying that God will direct, encourage, and speak to you. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, you can download the Pacific Point Church app at the App Store or visit us at pacificpointchurch.com give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Uh, it was our 50th birthday. It, it, it seems like it's been her 50th birthday month. Um, but uh, her bet, good. Uh, okay, if you say so. Um, but I didn't get, um, uh, she, so her best friend took her to, to uh, England for a week. All expense paid because I wasn't paying. <laughs> so, but she had a, she had a, she's, if you follow her on Instagram, uh, she's dancing and singing and having a great time. So anyways, uh, I'll pick her up today too. So I'm excited, excited about that. Thanks for coming out today. Everybody doing good? Welcome. It's great to have you here. We are, we are in and kicking off a series around, uh, oh, look it. I forgot this. Yeah. Happy Mother's Day. But oh, I, I pulled this up. Like what do moms really want on Mother's Day? What? Okay. So this is what I found. I don't agree. So uh, in the breakdown, 28%, tell me if this is true, ladies, 28% uh, the day off from parenting. Amen. Yes, that is, that is true. Okay, Chris has got that. She, 20% want to sleep. Anybody sleepers here? Okay, we got some sleepers. Uh, delicious food prepared by someone else. Gosh, you guys, you can't have them all. You guys like want them all. You can't have them all? Hey, I work alone. Keep it down. 11% several hours alone to binge watch Netflix. Shirley doesn't even know what Netflix is. 10%, now this is one, 10% want to clean house. Anybody there? Oh gosh, yeah, I'm hitting everyone. I'm going to get you on one of them. I'll get you on this next one. 10% want sex or a foot massage. Well, <laughs> Mother's Day, not Father's Day. Eight percent, a glass crossed out, bottle of wine, and then this is the one I really want to see. No one can see this, Harley, which I don't know why they did. In the very long, so all of that equals ninety-nine percent, and the bottom corner says one percent want a lumberjack. I don't know what that means. I'm not sure what that you know, but hey, what moms really want on Mother's Day? I hope you all get everything. Minus a lumberjack. <laughs> it's a whole different ministry we'd have to go through. <laughs> Goodness. Gotta love it. All right, so now let's, let's switch from what moms want for Mother's Day to we're in this series on what does God want? Have you ever thought, you know, what does God want in the di- divine direction? In, in really 23 years of ministry, the number one question, the question that I get over and over and over again is, is, is this one, the most commonly asked question. How do I know what God wants for my life? Has anybody ever asked that question? What does God want for my life? And, and then this, this next, you know, uh, two, two more, three weeks that we're going through, I just, I really want you to not overthink this question. So I want to make it real. Just kind of, I want to bite-size, palatable points 
about what God wants. Because I think what happens, we get so deep into our brain at times, we go, oh, what does God want? What does God want? What does God want? This, this big, you know, booming voice from the, the, the clouds telling, I, I want to make it a little more practical and show you how, how it works, because I think that's God. The key thoughts that, that I want to have are this. Uh, we are the result of decisions past. We're a result. The decisions we make today will determine the stories we tell tomorrow. We are a result of decisions. I am here today because of a decision 23 years ago. I'm sitting with you in this room because of a decision I made 23 years ago and everything that went in between that. Now, we can go back even further from that. We can go back to, I'm 53, really 53 years ago when this, this older lady in the back row, Shirley, um, sorry, my mother, it's Mother's Day, this young, beautiful woman in the back row, um, when she decided to raise, she made a decision to raise her family along with my father. He came a little later, though. It took him about 15 years into the journey for him to figure out the Jesus thing. But they, they made this decision. They made, it's, it's uh, truth, right? Am I right? Okay, good. Um, I'm not lying up here today. Um, they made this decision that, that really, if we look, is why I'm here today. Now think about that. Some of the decisions that have been made along your life that, that have brought you to this point. Then, then we got to stop for a second and say this. The decisions that I make when I leave this place today will determine the stories I tell in five years, 10 years, 20 years, six months. Who knows? No one holds tomorrow in their hands. Our decisions matter. The choices we make matter. Now here's, as I'm thinking of it, because I've got all these kids that run around my house. Why is it for, so difficult for this generation to make decisions? We talked a little bit about last, last week, but this, this generation of millennials that, that we, we, how many millennials do we have in here? Do you know what the age is? Oh, don't put your hand down, Luke. You're like, you're like three before that, maybe four, okay? No, you're not. I mean, we got a handful of millennials. It's, it's fascinating, the millennials. And, and here's part of the problems with the millennials today that I'm finding as I interact with them. Is there's so many choices. There's so many things. And if you have children that are coming up, they will be affected by what is going on even with the millennials. There's tr- when I was a kid, you know, you had McDonald's and Taco Bell. Burger King was kind of coming along. Today you got, I mean, how many hamburger choices can one person have? It's unbelievable. We've got choice after choice after choice. Then what has happened with these millennials is this. There's this thing that psychiatrists call the illusion of perfection. You know what the illusion of perfection is. That when you look at this thing and you look at Facebook, when you start scrolling through, and I know some of you, and it's beautiful, and me. You know, I don't post, so I've got, like, I'll repost my messages, which... No one watches, but I like to repost them. But uh, there, you watch, you look at Facebook and Instagram and all of these things. Someone just, Hudson just texted me. Coming home now. Hudson's in Vegas. That's good. I hope he's safe. Um, th- th- that that you, you look at the Instagram and you look at Facebook, and there's this illusion of perfection that is going on. Gosh, doesn't everybody's family look so good? Doesn't everybody look so skinny? Doesn't everybody look so pretty? Isn't everything so together? The beauty of that is you know some of these people, and if you can peek behind the curtain, you realize it's they're full of something. But there's this constant, I've got to give the illusion of perfection. I've got to give the illusion of perfection. And we're chasing this illusion. 
and therefore our decisions are determined by what we're chasing. Now, the last thing we throw in there that if you come out of, of some sort of religious or Christian background or religious background is this, God's perfect will. It's this thing of, oh, I've got to be in God's perfect will. I've got to be in God's perfect will. And if I make this choice, I might not be in God's perfect will. And then we get all bound up and we say things from the pulpit and from church and we hear things. And if you don't do this, you're going to be out of God's will and you're going to miss completely what God has for you. And we get bound up in this thing. And if you don't go to church every week and you don't pray every day and you don't give 10%, all those things are good and I encourage you to do them. But we get bound up in this whole, that's why this didn't happen. I do it. I, I, can, I, can I confess, confession of the pastor? I'm, I'm in worship today, and I'm sitting there, and what's scrolling through my mind is, okay, what didn't I do to make you happy this week, God, that would not allow this place to be full of people? Is that just stupid? I, I'm, five minutes ago, I'm like, God, is there something in my life that, that, you're, that you're not at? Because I think I'm pretty great. <laughs> Apparently not everybody else does. That's funny, Deese. You're going to laugh at that one. <laughs> I think we have great music. I think God's doing some cool things. But you know where I go? Is what was preached so many times to me. If you're not in God's will because you're sinning your life or because you're doing something wrong or blah, 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 fill in the blank. And you take all these things, choices, and the illusion of perfection. And let me tell you, Rick Warren's got problems with 30,000 people. They're just different problems than our 30 people, okay? The grass is not always greener. The grass is greener where you water it. It's not on the other side. There you go. Love what God has given me. And I do. I love this church. The choices I have made, look, the reality is this. I, I've been with other churches, and I've been with bigger churches. I love church planting. I love being with you guys. I love seeing lives get changed. If God wants to add, he can add. If God wants to subtract, he can subtract. At the end of the day, it's him. It's not me. So the, the, there's so many things into this decision. Now, here's, here's the interesting thing. The fear of making an imperfect decision leads many times to no decision. And no decision is really a very bad decision. Some of us get so bound up by worried about making an imperfect decision, we don't make a decision. So what does God want? What is, what is this divine direction? And, and, and what, where, does he, where does he want me to go in our life? Because many of us have these important questions. Some of us in here today have important decisions to make. Like, where am I going to go to school? Or what am I going to do after school? Graduation. Hawken just graduated from USC. I don't know why you went to that crappy school, but you, you did. No, that beautiful school of USC graduated last, last night, yesterday, right? Or was it two days ago? Friday. Graduated from USC. And now there's some decisions to make. Come on. They'll, hey, his parents bought his way in, so don't worry about it. You know, um... I'm kidding. He's an incredibly smart kid. But there, there's these decisions that have to be made. What next? I know you're going to D.C. to, to be on, uh, work with the Washington Post. Oh, God help you. Um, and, 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 but the, uh, all of us have these decisions that are coming. What am I going to eat after lunch? Am I going to take a nap? What? I don't know. But decision after decision, decisions come in our lives. What do we do with them? God, show me what to do. 
You know, there's constantly, I hear people, God, show me what to do. What I, but here's the exciting news. Here's the, if you seek God, he will show you exactly what to do. There will never be any obstacles. And he'll hear your prayers. He'll answer them just the way you want. You buy, anybody buy that? That is a lie. Just had to reel you in a little bit to see if you're awake. It's not true. No more than it is that I give my children whatever they want. I don't do it. I don't solve all their problems. I don't move all the obstacles. Probably move more than I should. Probably solve more than I should. But there's something in the decision-making and the processes. and the, uh, nah, I'm not confessing that one. Um, because uh, if she finds out, she's going to be mad at me, so I'm going to leave that one alone. Um, there's this, this, this process that, that we all walk through. But I want to show you from scriptures the absolute certainty that Paul walked in. It's unbelievable. The Apostle Paul wrote a third of the New Testament. I mean, this great man of God. I mean, we read through scriptures. He had this clarity like no other. Look what it says in 1 Corinthians 16. 16. And perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter, so you may help me on my journey wherever I go, for I do not want to see you now just in passing. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits, but I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a wide door of effective work has been opened, and there are so many adversaries. Does that sound like a man who knew crystal clear where God had called him to go? This is Paul. This isn't John. It's not you. This is the Apostle Paul. He says, perhaps, wherever, I hope, if the Lord permits. There's a lot of adversaries out there. What is God going to do? The greatest, one of the greatest writers in, in the Bible sits in this place of having to make decisions without the crystal clear answers from God. See, God is in our magical crystal ball, like the genie in the bottle that tells the future and guides our outcome. See, often, more times than not, what I found is God guides the next step. You want the the whole paved road, but he goes, I'm just going to give you the next step because you can't handle the paved road. I'm going to give you the next step because you won't be faithful with the paved road. I'm going to give you the next step because I want to keep you in my will, not thinking that you are doing this. See, whenever it's unrolled this way, and, and if he gave you your whole future and said you're going to be this, you would start to think this is on you. But when I take one step and I go, okay, God, what do you want me to do right now? And then I take the next step and I go, okay, God, what do you have for me today? What happens is this dependence comes on him, and it's not about me. So how do we know what God wants? Last week we said this. Who before do and why before what? This is Craig Rochelle. I love this 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 quote that, that he says. He says, who before do? What does that mean? It means who are you looking to? Jesus before what you do. You always look to Jesus before you do something in life. And then he says the why before the what. Why you do is more important than what you do. We get these things backwards. We go run and we run and we do and we do and we do and we don't realize the who. Jesus should be directing. And then we do what we do, and we don't understand why we do it. And the why is so important, more important than the what, the intentions of the heart we talked about last week. So this week, what do I want to talk about? Wisdom. The key thought is, God, give me wisdom. 
See, because the reality is this in this walk, is God often says, I'm not going to show you what to do, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a little bit of wisdom to decide. There's this great latitude that God gives. We get caught up in this religious thing that says, there's only one way, there's only one question. God goes, no, no, there's so many opportunities. One, you know, we talked a little bit last week. Oh, there's only one person for me to marry. And we dispelled that whole thing because some of you already screwed that up and you married, you know, so it would mess up the whole thing. (laughs) There's a multitude God can use. Now, I do believe this, good to great. The enemy of great is, the enemy of good, the enemy of great is good. I, I, I dated a girl for seven years and she was a good girl, good Minnesota girl. And I think I would have had a good marriage. The enemy of great is good. Because of Trust in God ultimately, I got great. I got this, this, this woman, Chris, who is an amazing woman. See, the wisdom thing is, is I love Solomon in 1 Chronicles 29. See, when, when you stepped in to be a king in the Old Testament, what would happen is you'd make a burnt offering, a sacrifice, a bull offering. Solomon steps into his kingdom. And you know what he does? He makes a thousand sacrifices, burnt offerings. He goes above and beyond. Don't ever tell me that God doesn't, doesn't, isn't moved by our, our incredible uh, acts of sacrifice because we see it right here. We see it throughout Scripture. And he was only required to, to do a burnt offering for one bull. But Solomon goes, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a thousand, God, a thousand burnt offerings. And because of what Solomon did, God said, wait, 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 wait. Solomon, because you went above and beyond, because you went to this extraordinary step, I will give you whatever you want. What did Solomon ask for? He didn't ask for money. He didn't ask for honor or long life. He didn't ask for uh, a God to, to, to destroy his enemies. He didn't ask for the things that you and I would probably ask for. What he asked for was wisdom to rule. Solomon, you can have absolutely anything you want. You know, God comes to you or me and says, you can have absolutely anything. You name it, it is yours. How many of us say wisdom? Solomon says this, or says this in Proverbs 4, 7. Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. And whatever else you do, develop good judgment. Wisdom and judgment. Wisdom and judgment. You ever thought about this one? If I only knew back then what I know today. You know what that is? It's wisdom. It's wisdom. You paid for it. it. May have been really expensive. May have cost you an extra paycheck. May have cost you, you know, uh, I don't, I don't know. But if, but if if you take that 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 time of a failure and look and you, you 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 apply it to life, there's wisdom that you gain in there. Now, if you do it again, you're an idiot. I've been an idiot so many times, it's not even funny. But if you pay for your education through life and circumstances, use the wisdom of it. If I only knew back then then what I know today. Well, you know it today, so what about in five, ten years? What will it look like? How do we discern God's divine direction? I want to go three quick things here. Walk, ask, and decide. Walk, ask. Now, again, I'm talking about... I'm talking about everything from marriage to finances to whatever you are going through. Practical decisions that need to be made. 
that we need to walk in. Walk, ask, and decide. Number one, walk. Proverbs 13, 20 says, Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. A companion of fools suffers harm. You know, you, you know what I'm talking about. The companion of fools. I know you've walked with some companions of fools. I know I've walked. I mean, all of us on some level have walked with this companion of fools. And it's almost impossible to live the right life when you surround yourself with, with the wrong friends. It's this. This is what mom says. This is what Chris says to my kids. This is what we say. Show me your friends. I'll show you your future. This is perfect for mom's day. From Mother's Day, show me the people you hang out with. Cash, if you showed me all your friends from school, I could tell you where you're going to go in life. Did you know that? You didn't know that. Okay. <laughs> I, I say it to, uh, TJ, how many times have I said that to you? How many times have I said that to, to our kids? Show me your friends, I'll show you the future. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. And some of us are sitting there saying, why can't I make a wise decision? Why can't I make the right decisions? And you've sound your, surrounded yourself with this, this courtyard of fools. And they don't help you. I was having lunch last week with someone else in here and someone else, another friend. And uh, another friend's friend, okay, I was having lunch, all right? <laughs> and this, this friend, his friend is having an affair and has left his wife and, and kids and, and just, and, and the friend we were with, hanging with, is all in this kind of little panicky mode. What, what if it's, what if, I, I don't want to do that. I don't want that to happen to me. What are that, you know, just that, well, I can't believe this guy is doing this to his family and leaving his family for this girl and blah, 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 all this stuff. And, and it, it, it's clear as can be. It's like, then put yourself around people who don't. Surround yourself around men and women who love one another. Don't hang out with the divorced friends. Doesn't mean you can't hang out with them once in a while. Don't spend your life with them. Don't ask them for marriage advice if their marriage is a mess and they're in the middle of an affair. That's not the guy that you want to give you advice about your wife or your fight or whatever is going on in your life. Surrounded by fools. To walk, grow in wisdom, wise decision, wise walk with the wise. What does that mean? It literally means to do life with men and women who are wise, men and women who are like-minded, men and women who you know have your best out for you, men and women who will, will take you somewhere that you need to go, men and women who are willing to call you on your stuff. See, many of you, many of us, have yes-men that we walk with. And when we confide in a, a yes man or yes woman about what we're going to do, they go, yeah, yeah, that's probably a good idea. There, there are men in my life that I walk with, that I, I confide in, that have no problem telling me, you're an idiot, stop. I have men, I've put men in my life to walk with me to go... That's probably not the best decision. And sometimes I've broken through those, those things and it's gone. And it says, but this walk with men and women. See, you, you, we, we talk about the, the women's group and the men's group and, you know, we're having trouble even getting men. To, gosh, I'm telling you, commit to walking with a group of men and watch what God might do. Commit to walking with a group of women and watch what he might do. 
do you really think that you can make it in this world, companion of fools? Do you really think that you can walk steady in your marriage, walk steady in your sobriety, walk steady in your, 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 your finances, walk steady in every aspect? If you surround, you can't do it. It's an absolute lie. It's an absolute lie. Walk. There's a few things as I was thinking that I, I want to be, I want to walk in integrity or, or, or honor God in. One is my relationship with God, being a husband and a father, and being a friend. And, and when, when God really grabbed a hold of my life, uh, and I grew up in the church, as, as you know, but really grabbed a hold of my life when, when I was about 25 or so with this pastor who just started to speak truth into my life, started to call me on my stuff, started to walk with me, discipleship, and showed me what it meant to be a man of God. Now, he didn't always do it the right way, but he taught me how to pray. He taught me what it meant to give. Now, at, at, at five years old, I remember clearly my mom handing me uh, a quarter, a dime, I don't remember, and just going, you say, and her saying, put that in the offering basket at, at Sunday school. And I remember the tension at that time of going, she'll never know. They'll never know. Pockets. What? I, gave, I put it in, okay? I put it in the offering. I did do that. But it was, it was a decision that I'm convinced, because I looked to it, and it's so clear in my mind, it was a decision I made as a four or five-year-old off of, uh, in Westminster, off the 405. It's now a Jewish synagogue. It's a church we used to go to. I know I can remember clearly walking down. But let me tell you, it was the basis for something that I do now, which is tithe. By God's grace, my wife and I, through thick and through thin, we give. We give. And I can tell you story after story, and it's because I've walked with men and women who said, trust God in this. Watch what he'll do. It's because I had a mother who said, give, a father who said, give, and they were generous. And I watched what God did. As a husband and a father, I've surrounded myself by men. Some of our, our good friends have been married for 30, 40 years. My parents have been married for 500 years. I don't know. It's been a long time. How It was like 55, 4, 4, something like that. Dear Lord, how you put up with him for 54 years, you should be sainted. She is. She is. She is. That, uh, but it, 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 there's something there. There's something there. Number two, ask. Ask for wisdom. James 1.5 says, if anyone lacks wisdom... Let him ask God. It sounds so simple, doesn't it? Just ask God. Because God gives generously to, the, to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. It, it, it sounds so simple, but there's this, this process in asking God. It's not just, uh, uh, God, give me wisdom. It's, it's, it's searching his scripture for wisdom. It's reading his word, and, and, and wisdom comes off the, the pages of this word. And I pray, I'm like, God, give me wisdom. God, give me wisdom. Now, I'm not telling you to do anything that I'm not doing. I've got several situations in my life right now that I'm walking with men that, that know what I need to answer for, and I'm asking God to give me wisdom for. This is, it's, but it's, it's this daily sitting in this word and going, oh, God, give me wisdom. Give me wisdom. You can't think that God's going to answer you with wisdom if your mind is in all this stuff. 
it, it is that, that what is in you will come out. And if it's, if it's CNBC and Fox News 24-7, I'm telling you, nothing, that wisdom is not going to come out of your soul. And I'm, I'm so frustrated with both sides of that. Because it's so just this polarizing, angry thing that is going on. And because of it, it affects the way that we think and the way that we walk. And there's no wisdom in our lives because we're so inundated with the radio and and this pundit and this thing and this tweet and whatever it is. And God says, get wisdom, and it's in my word, and ask me for it. Sean Hannity can't give me wisdom. Rachel Maddow cannot give me wisdom. This word gives me wisdom. This word gives me wisdom. I love you. See, it's, this is what mom says. You think you know everything. Has your mom ever told you that? I say that to my kids, mom, dad. You, you, really, you think you know everything, don't you? you really, gosh, I wish I was, I wish I was 14 and, and as smart as you. At 53, I'm such an idiot, and you're such a brilliant young man. He's not here, so I can talk about Hudson right now. Um, it's like, how do you know so much? So, it's so vast, your knowledge. There's no one taping it either, for, so I can, I can just deny it all. If you guys say, Hudson, hey, your dad talked to me, I go, show me the proof. Um, I'm kidding, of course. But it's, it, you know, it's that, it's that, and it's the same thing. God, I know God looks at me and goes, you just think you know so much, don't you, John? Oh, yeah, yeah, I know. I'm 53. I've lived life. I know a lot. And guy goes, no, no, no. You really think you know what you're talking about. He says, why don't you ask me for wisdom? You're in a jam? Instead of pressing through, why don't you ask me for some wisdom? Read your Bible, and I'll direct and guide you. You're struggling? Why don't you ask me for wisdom? See, it's, it's like that, because it's, it's, this is with our kids. You know when you're, your kid's like two, three, five, seven even? You're their hero. You know what I mean? When you're your kid's hero, and you can do no wrong. You know absolutely everything. Then the shift happens. Ben and Jen, you're not there yet. It's coming, I'm telling you, with your 18 kids. The shift comes, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> You don't get it, Mom. You don't get it, Dad. You don't know anything. And they don't ask for any wisdom. They don't ask you for your opinion on anything. They go, I know something in life. And then they start to get into that 18, 19, sometimes a 17-year-old, 21-year-old, and they start asking again because they think you might know something. And, 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 and then they turn into you. They turn into parents. And the cycle begins again. <laughs> I, I love like I, when my, my daughter calls me and goes, Dad, what, what do you think about this? <coughs> Excuse me. Dad, what do, you, what do you think is going on here? I love it when um, TJ does it and, and says, Dad, what, what, what about this? When they ask me for wisdom, I'm so, I, I, I'm not infinite in my wisdom. I know very little, but the little that I know, I want to just go here, run with it, take it, go with it. And God does the same for you and I. He says, I got to make a decision, God. Then let me give you some wisdom. God, give me some wisdom. And I start searching his scriptures and he goes, huh. And he speaks to me. Now, here's the thing. To get wisdom, you have to spend God with God, uh, time with God. We have to ask him. 
God, tell me what to do. God, tell me what to do. And the Lord says this, I will guide you in Psalms 32 along with the best pathway for your life. I will advise you. I will watch over you. God says, I will guide you. I will advise you. I will watch over you. But that doesn't mean I'm going to make the decision for you. I've got this great latitude of decisions you can make. You want to make the wise decision? Then ask me. You want to make the wise decision? Then walk with men and women who are like-minded and have it out for your best interest. He says, I'll guide. I'll advise. I'll watch over. And there are those times where clearly, clearly God goes, do this. But a majority of the time in my life, he says, there's several things you can do. See, my part in the ask is this, in, in Matthew 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. My part in this is to ask, God, what do you want? God, what do you want? God, what do you, what, where do you want me to go? God's part in it is a father. Which of you, if a son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then though you're evil, know how to give good gifts. What is he talking about? He's talking about earthly fathers. Earthly fathers and mothers know how to give good gifts. He says, you being evil, what does the Bible say? There's no one righteous, no one good. That in, in, in our ah, here is not good stuff, yet we still give good gifts to our children. And he says, if you, being evil, give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father of heaven, in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? God the Father wants to give you Good gifts. You gotta ask. Some of you stopped asking. Some of you stopped asking 20 years ago because God didn't answer it the way you wanted it answered. Some of us stopped asking because it didn't look like we thought it should look. Some of us didn't like the advice that God gave us. No different than when our children don't like the advice we give them. So let's go to the last one, which is decide. You know, often my mom would say, you choose. Please. Often, often God says, did you drink out of it? No. <laughs> I'm kidding. Give me your water. I'll show you. I don't care. Often uh, mom says, mm. <laughs> it didn't happen when I was playing. It went by me. You're right. That's what you just said? Gosh. <laughs> She throws like a girl. How's that? Oh, beautiful girl. A beautiful mom. The last thing is, is you got to decide. There's many times that, that my parents, my mom would say, you know, where are we going to dinner? You choose. Which shoes do you want? I don't care. You choose. What do you, you want to go to college? You choose. There, there's, there's, you decide. You choose. You make the decision. See, the problem is no decision is often much worse. But God says this to us so many times. We go, you choose. You choose. What do you want? What do you want in life? What job do you want to do? You choose. Make the choice. Make the call. How do I know? See, this, this is when, when I make these decisions, you know, the things that go there, what if it's, it's not God? What if it's the devil? What if it's me? What if it's, there's all these thoughts, and it's the simplicity of just 
choosing. And there may be three jobs out there, and there may be one that you really enjoy. And, and, and you go, look, I'm just going to choose that one. Look, if there's no biblical imperative that says that you, you can't choose, if there's no biblical mandate that says it's a sin or it's wrong or something like that, there's this great latitude to just make choices. And God says, I can bless it. I can bless whichever choice you made. But we get caught up in this, oh, i got to make the right decision. i got to make the right decision. And there are times, let me tell you, when there's a biblical imperative, when there's a moral value that says, don't do this, don't do that, if you choose the opposite of that, yes, you're going to find yourself in a bad place. But having said that, there's great latitude outside of the moral imperatives that God gives. It isn't this, this, you know, so many times, it's not, you know, this just this voice that comes out of heaven and goes, you shall eat at Taco Bell today, John. <laughs> we know I'm eating at Taco Bell. That's not a decision for God. <laughs> it, it's not this booming voice. It's this culmination of things, of walking with men and women who have my best interests in hand. And when I walk with those people, it's reading God's Word and asking God to give me direction and wisdom for it. And then when I walk with the right people and I ask God the decisions are, sometimes, and then I just choose and God goes, I can bless that. And so many of us are so bound up by the decisions that we have to make. And God goes, just choose just choose. I love this. Paul said it this way. Paul's trying to decide. Again, we're talking about the Apostle Paul, the greatest man in, in, in the Bible. It says this in 1 Thessalonians 3.1. So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. Think about that. Paul writes a third of this, this book I mean, God should be directly just downloading in his hard drive exactly what is going on. And he said, we thought it best. Look, the decisions that, that, that I make for this church and, and ministry and sometimes for my family, it's, it's not this just on my hands and knees and crying out to God. It's like, I thought that was the best. That's the decision I make. And you know what? I've been wrong with some of them. That's all right. You know what that means? I get wisdom. Part of the problem with that is you beat the hell out of yourself because you made the wrong decision as opposed to going, okay, God, let me backtrack and find out why I made that decision. Did I have the right people around me? Did I cry out and ask and search your word for wisdom? Did I make a decision because there's something that I thought was more important and I leaned that way, like there's more money involved or whatever it might be, my loneliness or whatever, I don't know. When you make the mistake, you repent and you go, God, I'm sorry. Oops, I made a mistake. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? The Bible says that he's faithful to forgive. But I can't just stop there. I've got to examine my life, and especially if you find yourself in this pattern of making these bad mistakes, you've got to ask, who am I walking with? Who are those beside me that will tell me the truth? God, show me what to do. I'll give you the wisdom to decide. Some of you are asking, God, show me what to do. And he says, ask for wisdom, and I'll show you the wisdom and what you decide. 
See, the, the reality is this. A successful spiritual life is not based on a few big decisions. These massive decisions, but countless small and faithful decisions. 23 years of marriage, or marriage, yeah, marriage too. That's right, the ministry. 23 years of mis- ministry. It's, it's, it's these decisions. 23 years ago, I'm in, I had a house in Long Beach. I just retired and, and stopped playing. And uh, I had a, a, opportunities. What was I going to do next? And I was offered a job to go do color commentary for the Bruins in Boston. Great gig. 150 a year, you travel with the team, you know, you, you, you're still semi, you know, popular, people like you. You know, you're not playing, so you don't, you don't suck unless you can't talk, I guess. But, but it's, you know, it's a kind of a cool job. And, uh, and then this, this ministry opportunity came along. The ministry opportunity, what a great opportunity. They wanted me to move to Texas, pick up my family, which my family was Chris and she was pregnant, move to Texas and get in the ministry, which is okay. What is, I said, what does that pay? The hockey thing's about a buck fifty a year. He's like, it doesn't pay anything. Okay, well, now I, I'm sure you're stuttering, sir. <laughs> you know what? It pays no, no, it doesn't pay anything. You're going to come, and you're going to learn what it means to be in the ministry. And you're not going to. You can go out. <laughs> you can go raise support. I just spent ten years playing professional hockey. I'd spent a few years in the NHL. Now I'm supposed to go to people and go, "Hey, will you support me in being a minister?" And to which people would say, "Didn't you just? I'm going to pay you." To go, I was terrible at it. I think I raised $500 a month for the first three years. <laughs> the reason I'm poor now, because I used all that money to be in the ministry. Um, <laughs> kidding. But 23 years ago, I say that because between that time and, and today here, um, this church is, is over one of over 50 churches that I've either helped plant or planted myself. Not because of me, Be, because of what God, because of one decision that I made 23 years ago. Now, do, I, could I have done the other job? Absolutely. And I think God could have blessed it. Could have been a platform. Maybe I'd have been on ESPN talking about Jesus. Probably not. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> Probably not. But I, I think God could have blessed it. What is the enemy of great? Good. I think it would have been good. But you know what's great is walking with men and women who tell me the truth. You know, you know what's great is, is, is for 23 years going, I don't know where it's going to come from, God, but you do. And watching him time and time again pay the bills. That's stupid. It's crazy. It's wild. So much fun. There is an edge of I, I love the craziness. Not as fun for a wife, but you know. But no, she she's on the ride. It, it twenty three years ago, the, the one decision is 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 this impact that God has given me on thousands of people. That's just crazy to me. And the people that have have lives have gotten changed because of God's grace in my life. Are you kidding me? One decision. And it wasn't this, oh, thou shalt go to Austin and not make any money and be in the ministry. <laughs> it was, okay, God, what, what do you have for me? 
Now, this is one of the times that's very interesting because the people I walked with, it was actually the opposite. For the most part, including my parents, they're like, why would you do that? Their, you know what their thought was? Oh, he's still going to be on the, the take. <laughs> he goes in the ministry. And even today, I can't, I can't buy a meal from, you know, he, he's, they're incredibly generous. But the, the, it's just 23 years ago. It's, why does that matter? Because some of you are making a decision today, this week, next week. And the decisions you make today are the stories that you'll tell tomorrow. And God just wants to free you of all that uh, stuff. Of, oh, I'm going to make the wrong decision. And he wants you to walk in integrity with others. He wants you to walk in the wisdom that comes when you ask. And he wants you to make a decision. Uh, when, when you say it that way, it kind of changes things, doesn't it, a little bit? It's not so, ah! It's a little more, okay, God. And if you'll start thinking about the decisions you're making today and tomorrow, now, now I'll be honest, Taco Bell is a decision that will affect tomorrow. <laughs> I, you know, it sounds funny, but it, it will. Too many in, in uh, Bigger John, maybe, or, or uh, Dead John, you know, heart attack. So My, my point is this, Make your decisions with a thought that it, you're writing the story that you're writing. And watch what God might do. And, and if you're as blessed as, as I feel, someday you'll look back and go, oh God, you used me to do that? I'm so, I can't, I, that's what I want. I want for you, for us. It's for you to look back, God, you used me for that? People's lives were affected because of this decision, there's nothing better. There's nothing better. What does God want? Step by step, step by step. Just next step. What am I going to do today? I'm going to make the decision today, and I'm going to walk in it. Walk with the wise. Ask God every day for wisdom and make the decision. Finish with this. Psalm 32, as the, the musicians come up, 32.8, it says this. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. I love that. I love that. It's so good. As we talk about what's God want for us in his divine just decisions, walk with men and women that'll get you there. Ask God for wisdom. Make a decision. You're writing a story. You're writing a story. And you know what? People are reading it. People are reading it. They're reading your story. Just, again, Hawking, story in the Orange County Register, like superstar. They're reading your story. And, and, and they're reading it, and they're going, wow. I want people to say, oh, wow, there's something there. Jesus. Your story is Jesus. I love your story. Each one of us has a story that's being written. And, and you have today to make a decision to help write that story. We just need to be cognizant of it. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time this morning. Lord, I thank you for these men and women.
And uh, God, what a blessing this church is, these people. Lord, I pray that we would be men and women who would be cognizant of the story that you're writing. God, let us make choices to walk with, with, with other men and women who will, who will encourage, who will direct, who will, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. God, let us be a people who cry out for your wisdom. And God, let us make decisions that would honor you. So Lord, I thank you for this time this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Pacific Point Podcast. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, you can download the Pacific Point Church app at the App Store or visit us at pacificpointchurch.com slash give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you are encouraged today.